Welcome to Off the Beat, the podcast that discusses all things law enforcement from a cop's point of view. My name is DJ Seals. I'm a former detective, crime analyst, and SWAT operator from the metro Atlanta area. Now, I currently work for Motorola as a law enforcement consultant, but this podcast will never be about product or sales, and that I promise you. I came up with this idea because I wanted to have a place where we could have a conversation about current police issues without you, my listener, feeling like they were in a sales pitch. I wouldn't listen to that, and I'm pretty sure you wouldn't either. So, let's take a look at today's topic. Keep up. Failure is not an option. You know, as as I record this, I have just returned from IACP, and there's a lot of movement going on in law enforcement. A lot of technology a lot of new skills and equipment, and, and, and it really got me thinking about this. What keeps us from moving forward sometimes? I'm not talking about buying anything. Really, I'm talking about new ways to do what we've done for hundreds of years, historically. So what I landed on here is, you know, we work in a business full of patterns and routine. We put on our uniforms, we attend briefing and roll call before shift, we check our cars and the equipment in them just to take care of the rest of our daily duties, right? All of this until we get a hot call that causes us to drive 90 miles an hour into the unknown. Change in that instance from the humdrum to the exciting is not just welcomed, it's yearned for. You know, I've spoken to and, and, and taught literally thousands of law enforcement agents all over the world. And I've never met a single one who said, you know, I I, I became a cop so I could drive around in my car and wait for the next call to come in. I mean, that happens. But that's not why we do what we do. We did it because we wanted to, you know, get the bad guy off the streets, make the city safer. Or frankly, we did it because there was a yearning for that kind of job, that kind of work. Not everybody can do this. And frankly, that's the reason most of us got into the business. It wasn't to issue parking tickets and write reports. You know, some of us, it was to get into car chases that led to foot chases that led to capturing the bad guy. It was that kind of enthusiasm and excitement for the job that kept us clocking in every day. Now, equally as important to us as that quick change to excitement is our return to normalcy. Now, I know cops should not be creatures of pattern, yet we are. Uh, My staff duty officer at, at the academy many, many years ago always told us, you know, never do anything the same way twice in patterns. Don't drive your beat the same way every day. Don't go to and from work the same way every day. Keep it different. Keep it shaken up, right? And I I took that to heart, but I found that we all kind of got into, well, this is the way we do business, and I'm comfortable with that. It's that return to normalcy that keeps us feeling uh, grounded and safe. When the things we can control, our daily patterns and routines are turned on their edge, sometimes we have a difficult time finding our level. And I don't mean those hot calls. I'm talking about the regular pattern. We're very good at going from zero to a hundred in a split second. But we want to find that level again. 
So when that level changes, that level set, that's where we get um, apprehensive. So if we're going to react, though, to the evolution of crime and criminals, it is absolutely imperative that we evolve along with them, if not faster than they. I would prefer faster. Enthusiasm and excitement, however, begin to wane when it comes to change in the way we always do things. You know, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. Uh, right after I got the Intel job, I, I found this, um, uh, this meme online, and uh, it's a demotivational poster. Not a motivational poster, a demotivational poster. And, and it was a uh, bullfighter. And the bullfighter, well, let's just say the bull was getting the best of him in this particular picture. And across the top, it says tradition. And below that, it says, just because we've always done it this way doesn't mean it's not incredibly stupid. And yeah, that's a little tongue in cheek. Some of you might think that's a little over the top, but it was really my, my, my own internal walking orders, right? It was, we've got to start thinking about things in a different way. We can always move toward new equipment and and, and new cars and things. But, but again, that's not the daily pattern of what we do, how we do. Changes a little bit, but, but it's still in the same vein. But criminals today are capitalizing on technology to commit more and more crimes. If we do not keep up with that evolving technology in order to better fight those crimes, we're failing our citizens. Now, it's not just technology. You know, new computers or, or whatever that may be, or new dispatch or uh, tag reader, whatever that. It, it, it's not just technology. It's the understanding of what are the tactics around that technology. So historically, when criminals became better armed, so did we. But we didn't stop there. We decided they were better armed and we should look at these bulletproof vests. But... If anybody wore a Generation 1 bulletproof vest, you might as well wear a tank while you're walking around. They were uncomfortable, they were heavy, and if you policed in the South like I did, wear one in August, that's all I gotta say. And, and vests did what? Vests got lighter, they got better, they got easier to move in, and, and, and we went, okay, all right, we can put this in our, in our daily business because of those advances. But that advancement was because of a reason, a safety reason, very important. We took one step ahead to better protect ourselves, and if we're protecting ourselves, we can better then protect the citizens. You know, when it looked as if Al Capone was not touchable, Law enforcement attacked him from an angle he didn't expect. They went to his record keeping. Got him for tax evasion. Right? Because he was, he was slick. Could never get him for a, for a homicide or, or, or extortion or any of the rest they were doing. They were trying, but they just couldn't do it. But, you know, they found an avenue that he wasn't really thinking about and was weak. And, and they evolved that. They never, never really looked at that before on somebody like that. They, they wanted to get him for the homicides and all. And I get that. Me too. But, but, you know, we have to think outside the box sometimes. And law enforcement did work outside the box to stay one step ahead of Capone. And, well, we all know how that worked out for him. I was working a case once on a, on a, on a local scrap dealer. And we had excellent intelligence 
that stolen cars were being taken there. The cars were being stripped and shipped out at night, but we could we could never see it going on. It was a, just a large, large area. And and we just, it was, it was case after case of these vehicles just disappearing. And, you know, we, we started working the case and found out that it was local, um, local uh, tow trucks that were just stealing cars or, or grabbing a car from, uh, you know, side of the highway that had broken down or whatever that may be. They took it over and they had a whole system worked out. And that system was that they, they, they would write it down on a piece of paper. They would put the car in a special location so it wouldn't be uh, too noticeable. And in the morning, uh, the workers would come in, grab that piece of paper, dispose of the vehicle uh, quickly, and, and they would have that money ready for the scrap driver to pick up later on that day. Now, of course, all that's quite illegal. And, but yet we, we just couldn't see it going on, even working with some of these and that, that had stolen these cars that, you know, wanted to help themselves, I guess, and help us. But, but it, it, it just never came to fruition. And I was sitting there in kind of a frustration and it dawned on me, okay, well, this is the way we've always done these, right? Find them in the act, get it done. I, I prefer that, but it's continually happening. They're under our nose. What do we do? And so I, 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 well, my mother used to say, if all else fails, read the directions. So I went to the code book and I started reading all the codes I possibly could about scrap dealing here in Georgia. And I found all of these, well, you can only be open at this time and that time and, and, and regulations specifically around the record keeping, record keeping. Well, geez, does that mean I have to be a paper hound now? Well, maybe. Okay. So, so. Then I also found out there's a nice little caveat that said at any time during regular work hours, if law enforcement shows up, you, you have to provide them your receipt records within reason. I thought, okay, well, let, let's start there. Didn't just do it to these guys. You know, I, I was walking around making sure that all of ours in the area, you know, I don't want to be seen as, as, you know, unduly focusing on one or the other, because who knows, maybe they're all doing it. But, but this particular one, I got uh, the week's worth of records. Took them back. Thank you very much. We're just going to start doing this now. Appreciate it. And I went back to the department and I started looking. And there, there it was. They weren't filling them out. Uh, the, the VIN numbers were not just one or two off, completely wrong, uh, or the VIN number came back to a different car that was listed. There was no signatures. It was the paperwork. Now, we, we'd never done this before. I, you know, I go to my chief, and I'm like, hey, I'm, I want to work this, <laughs> but it's going to take me some time. I, I literally took over the staff meeting room, started just piling through this paperwork and compiling and looking and got enough for a search warrant. When I got enough for a search warrant, I, I executed that search warrant and, and took a lot of records and looked at a lot of areas. Come to find out, we found the area where stripped parts were being kept and we found, we uncovered the entire thing. I was able to charge it. I think it still might be a record over the DA's office. I was able to charge over 2,500 felony charges. You say, DJ, that's crazy. Why'd you charge that? Nobody's going to get charged with that. Yeah, good point. But what I was trying to do was... Well, frankly, I was making a point. This is the new way we're going to do things. We expect you to run your business in a legal manner. And we expect that here. And we're going to be checking that. And if you don't, this will be the result. And again, complete switch from the way we had done business. 
yeah, myself and the other detectives working with me and state agents, we could have just, you know, sat and waited and maybe we'll find a piece of a car and, well, we don't have a search warrant so we can only walk around in the publicly accessible areas and don't see anything. Okay, let's move on. No, we should always be looking for new ways, new avenues. What can we do to do our job better? Sometimes that's equipment. Sometimes that's technology. But frankly, most of the time, it's a change in the way we do business, a change in thinking. So today's criminal frontier is technological crime. But every time we catch a criminal, you know, used a debit card incorrectly, or uh, maybe you have some advanced folks and they're, they're watching for uh, some type of computer hacking. And, but every time we, we catch them, they learn from that. You know, the old adage, you know, prison is college for criminals. It's true, right? They, they get better. They don't want to make the same mistake twice. So, therefore, we must train and equip our officers with the latest in educational and technological advances. You know, but the thing with that is the education is really the most important. The education of where is policing going in methodology, not necessarily technology. That's important. But I've always said that the best technology in the world will not be successful at a department that doesn't understand or grasp or really embrace why and how the the technique around that technology can be successful. You know, yeah, the, these, these things are expensive. Education's expensive. I went to more classes than <laughs> uh, I could shake a stick at. And, and I found some really out-of-the-box classes. But the reason I was going to some of these, you know, computer investigations, and uh, we, we affectionately referred to it as hacker school, right? Because you had to learn to figure out how to hack in order to find the hackers. And you go, why in the world did you go to that? Because I saw a movement in computer crime and that particular class could help me get better at investigating it. Now, my intel office at my department, it never came out of budget. None of that did uh, because we, we farmed out officers to HIDA and DEA and we were getting all that DAG money. Well, we used that DAG money to help fund that. So, so there are ways to do this for education and, and, and movement and technological advances. You just kind of have to think outside the box. And no longer is it, this is the way we've always done things. Now it's instead, how can we do? Is what we're doing proper? Is what we're doing hitting the mark? Or are we falling short? You know, as, as I've spoken here so far, I, I wouldn't have my officers, I don't think you would either, walking around with six shooters when they're right now carrying semi-autos. We wouldn't have our detectives give up their computers and go, here's a stack of legal pads. There you go. Have, have fun with that. We, we wouldn't do that anymore. And granted, we got some guys at the department to probably rather a legal pad than a computer. But, but we understand that we can't step back. The question, though, is where you're sitting today, is that where you should be? Or should you be advanced further on in the way you do business. The criminals are running at a breakneck speed. We must keep up. Matter of fact, we must be a couple of steps ahead of them. The only other option for us, if we want to stay where we are in our little comfort zone, 
The only other option is failure. And now let's take a look at some uh, crazy police stories. I have chosen today to focus on our friend, Florida Man. You know, this uh, mythical creature that lives in Florida that can't seem to do anything right. So I grabbed some from Florida Man today, and let's just run through these here. Florida Man gives police exonerating dash cam video following a traffic incident, but it accidentally included a video of him robbing a beauty store. Mm -hmm. Florida Man charged with assault with a deadly weapon after throwing an alligator through Wendy's drive-thru window. Okay. Florida man gets tired of waiting at a hospital, steals the ambulance, and drives home. Well, guess he couldn't wait. Florida man denies drinking and driving, says he only swigged bourbon at stop signs. Okay, technically, sure. And lastly, Florida man pauses police chase to rehydrate with a stolen Capri Sun. Told the police smoking crack makes him thirsty. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess it would. You know, as we go along this journey together, I may say some things you don't agree with. That's okay. Or maybe you do agree with me. Or even have a topic you'd like me to cover. Maybe you have a funny police story you'd like to share with me. I encourage you to email me at offthebeat at MotorolaSolutions.com to give me your thoughts and ideas. And check out my Twitter page at DJ underscore offthebeat. Until next time, stay diligent, stay educated, and stay safe.